Hello and welcome to Head and Heart, a Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. My name is Katie and I'm here with my best friend and co-host Frankie. Hey guys! <laughs> Hello everyone! I just got back from Scotland! <laughs> I she had did. a blast! My, my parents met me in Edinburgh and we had so much fun. We went to the Highlands. Oh my gosh, but I am exhausted. I got up at 5.30 a.m. to catch a train back to my home city here in the UK. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, you've had a crazy, crazy Thanksgiving weekend. Even though you weren't celebrating Thanksgiving, you had a crazy Thanksgiving right. Day weekend. <laughs> I sure did, but it was wonderful. I've acquired so many magnets. I've been um, collecting magnets and postcards here. The amount of magnets I have. I don't even know if they'll fit on the fridge door. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what are we talking about today, Frankie? Because some Keeper news came out. Yeah, if in case um, some of you guys are not aware of what we're talking about, there have been rumors of the likelihood of a book 11 in the Keepers franchise, and that book 11 would be the ending book. So we are going to be discussing that possibility and how we feel about it in detail. So, <laughs> yeah. In short, we're both pretty apprehensive and feel like Shannon Messenger has put herself in a pretty difficult position. But we'll get into it. We'll get yeah. into it. So, first of all, though, shout out to at KOTLC fanbase on Instagram and YouTube. They produce so much KOTLC fan content, and they're the ones who broke this news and found the interview. So, I'm actually going to insert the interview clip now. Enjoy. Is book 10 going to be the end? Is the next one after Moon going to be the end? Or do you know? Or are okay, you okay, so, taking bribes? <laughs> so the funny thing is, like, we actually announced that book 10 was going to be the end. Like, I feel, I believe that was the title of the article that went out to the Associated Press was like, one final yeah. cure of the Lost Cities book, book 10, you know, when we did the contract. And we did that because we had created these kind of two outlines of like, okay, so this is what's going to happen in book nine. And then this is what's going to happen in book 10 and we're good. But <laughs> as I've been writing, uh, as I wrote book nine, there were a few things that it just like, as much as we thought they were going to fit in the story, as soon as we started really trying to actually execute that and have it go, it just felt weird. It felt like, Sophie and her friends would be focusing on something else right now because of all the big stakes that are happening and all of that. Like, they're not going to focus on this. So I'm not going to say 100% yet. It's still a little bit tentative on things. What I'm doing right now is I'm looking at the outline that we have of book 10 and trying to figure out, is there a way to just fit it all into book 10 or will that just leave us with a headache? Because the one thing I don't want to do is leave unanswered questions by the time oh. we're at the end. And so if, if after 8,000 pages, you haven't answered all the questions. I have, a, I, I owe them answers and I owe them good answers, not just, well, here, let me just dump some information into a chapter because I need to get it out there. So I have a feeling that there's, I, I will probably be having to eat some crow and be like, just kidding. Remember when I said book 10 was the end? Well, maybe book 11. But again, it's it's all about making sure that the last book we, we end on a high and that everyone's like, best book ever. And if splitting book 10 into a book 10 and a book 11 is the best way to do that and make sure that we get all those answers in 
then that's what we'll do. So I promise I will have like official news on that once I make my decision, whether it's no, we got this book 10 just needs to be book 10 or whether it's mm, just kidding. There's going to be book 11. <laughs> so. so yeah, that is what Shannon had to say. It is crazy to think about that the series might be going on for even longer than we anticipated. I trust that she'll do whatever's best for what she has left to cover. However, we both feel that because Stella Loom cut off so suddenly and it doesn't have much of a climax, yeah, that she kind of has one and a half books left. Yeah, one and a half books left. Exactly. So... It's tricky because it's either going to be a really rushed, condensed final book or drawn out a lot for two books. And it's like, pick your poison. Which would you prefer? It's not going to be perfectly paced. What we want is like a really long, really good one last book. I think is the best compromise. Oh, yeah. I think that's absolutely the best way you can go about this. Because if you don't, then... My fear is that book 10 will end up like book 9, where it doesn't feel complete because it's starting in the middle of an arc because the last arc did not finish um, with Lady Gisela. So, Gisela. I'm going to say Gisela, guys. It's just how it's going to be. So you're going to have to deal with it I'm used to, <laughs> because I'm used to the Viking way of saying it from The Last Kingdom. So I'm sorry, but you're going to have to deal with it. So Lady Gisela, like, she's just... That arc didn't finish. The Vespera thing was so quick. We had a final battle end scene that didn't happen. There was, like, like we said in our last review, a review as if we're, like, you know, French, like, artisans, but... <laughs> artisans? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there... Snotty film critics writing right, the paper. Oh, right. this is absolute garbage. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But um, like we said in our last episode, it just, there was not a complete arc and there were, it felt like there were 40 to 100 pages missing. And so I'm worried that if that carries over to book 10 and book 10 doesn't have resolution, then book 10 is also going to be missing plot and it will also feel rushed and it will also feel like a half completed book. And so, yeah, I really just want book 10 to be like a thousand page like, everything is hitting the fan at once type crazy plot-filled, character-filled book fest. Like, I don't care if it's a thousand pages long. Like, I would much rather that than have book 10 drag out just like book 9 felt like it did to me with very little plot. And then having a, a book 11 that would almost feel a little cheaper to me after all of that. Just because I think we were all banking on book 10 being the final book. We were. We had it in our heads. And, like, like I said, it's like she has one and a half books left. And I would rather have one big final book than it be dragged out even more. Right. And that's a complaint that the series has gotten, that it's dragged on for too long already. So, like... <laughs> Which I don't necessarily you know, agree with. If book 10 no, was it's the so last big in book... Scope. If book 10 was the last book and she managed to fit it all in correctly, and if, like, it truly was, like a last Olympian level last book, then I would think the series had the perfect runtime. I will start to agree with people if we get a book 11 and book 10 feels the same way book 9 did. I can get over book 9 as long as book 10 was like, you know, it covered everything. But if book 10 is another like book 9 in terms of pacing, then it is going to really feel like she could have 
finish this book in book 10 and cut things out. Absolutely. I really feel like what I want to happen is I want that 900 to 1,000 page final book with all the answers we want with the satisfying ending, satisfying conclusion, and how I wanted to end up because she did this. The way she cut off Stella Loon, I think it will be worth it if it ends up being in the final book. We have this intense opening battle, a middle of the book confrontation mm-hmm. battle, and then a big final battle yeah. at the end. I think having that three-act, three-pronged structure can it serve works. book 10 really well. And if we add a book, as long as she's given the time, though, that's the thing. The publisher needs to give her the page count. So yeah. it's really, really tricky to navigate, I think, for Shannon. And I think that's why we haven't gotten this confirmed yet, because they're still deciding. I think she's going to, if I had to guess, I think she's going to try her darndest to fit it into one last book. Mm-hmm. And then if it's really just not possible, then she'll try and get her contract extended for a book 11. Yeah, they have to give her time for this one. They, I mean, just looking at the scope of the series in a whole and looking at how long this book would have to be to properly give it the resolution it deserves, they would have to give her time and page count. And I hope they do because, like I've we've both just previously stated, a book 11 feels wonky. It feels like it would make everything wonky. So I hope they give her the courtesy of doing what she needs to do to finish the story in the way that she wants to finish the story. Maybe she want wants her a book 11, get... but I don't see her wanting a book 11. Maybe I'm totally wrong, I, but I can't see her. It doesn't sound like she really wants it in the clip. It sounds like she wants to keep it to 10 books. Katie's OCD went up the walls when <laughs> she <was> like... <laughs> Why would they end on book 11? It's like your biggest rant with Avatar and the three book instead of four book um, seasons. Oh my gosh, missing an element and people still think we weren't supposed to get a season four in Zutara. Oh my god. (laughs) I can't even. (laughs) But that is the first episode of our other podcast. Go listen to that if you're an Avatar fan. And we cover all of that over there. Um... And there is a surprising amount of crossover, actually. Nerds are nerds, you know? That's true. Yeah, nerds are nerds. Sorry, my boss texted me, so I just had to answer that real quickly. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I thought you froze, to be honest, but no. totally okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, nerds are nerds, and there's enough crossover. I would assume people are at least aware of Avatar at this point, especially with the 2020 resurgence, so... Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but also, I I have pretty good faith because I can't see the publisher not giving her the time that she needs, given how huge this series is and given that people want a satisfying conclusion. Right. Like, because here's the thing. There's also a movie writing on this. Yeah. I a don't very see. big budget, lots of royalty money to be had, Hollywood film writing on this. Like... From Disney, I mean, are you kidding me? Although Disney's had a lot of flops in the last five to ten years. But, you know, it really just, like, this Disney magic is, it's not as consistent as it used to be. You still get it with things like Encanto. But right. um, 
Disney's still huge. Like, it hasn't diminished that oh, yeah. much. So, it's a big deal. And they've and- shown their chops with, like, the mis- Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I didn't think I was cutting you off. You finish, then so okay. I'll go. No, you can go. I was pretty much done. I was just gonna say they've shown their chops with, like, the mysterious Benedict Society and all of that. So, I think they still can pull it out if they put the correct people on it. And with the Percy oh, Jackson yeah. series coming out. The new the Percy Jackson series coming out on Disney Plus. We'll see how that goes. I have a that- feeling that yeah, I have a feeling that this film getting made is going to ride or die a lot on the success of that Percy Jackson series. Same. And I haven't yeah. talked about that yet, but I'm glad you agree. You're nodding your head like yes, yes. Oh, it I is knew going where you're going with it. Crucial moment in the history of this production, whether or not it moves forward. And it looks like yeah. it's in pretty good shape already. And the Percy Jackson show is looking fantastic. So, like, I'm excited. I really hope Keepers gets made. I want I'm excited. a 10 film movie franchise to truly be able to say Keeper franchise that my children can enjoy. You know, it's going to be so exciting to see this brought to life. Okay, guys, I am so sorry if this just went off the walls wonky for you listening. I got a phone call from my boss that I had to take right in the middle of Katie talking about Percy Jackson, and she couldn't hear me because the phone call cut off my audio, so I was just waving my arms in a crazy manner to try and let her know (laughs) that something was wrong, because... And then I picked up my phone and was pantomiming. I was like, pantomiming, I've got a phone call. <laughs> so, so sorry to you guys if it's wonky. And so sorry to Katie if this takes longer editing. Because that just screwed the whole process up. But yeah, that's what happened. If any of you felt like that was a very weird cutoff. So. It's okay. Don't even worry about it. I was just talking about the movie and how excited I am to see everything brought to life and that we're absolutely right, I think, that it's going to ride or die on Percy Jackson. Yeah, I was, I had the thought right before you said it, too. I was like, and I was about to talk about it, too. That's how (laughs) synced our brains are. I was about to be like, and if this Percy Jackson movie does badly, I don't think Keepers is going to be made. And then you jumped right into the point. Mm -hmm. That's why I was like avidly shit like nodding my head in agreement because I was like yeah "Yeah, that's the point I was just thinking about yeah no it absolutely will and I think that the Percy Jackson series getting green lit so well even though it's been in production like or at least like it's been talked about for years like that I think they had to see how mysterious Benedict Society did so I think it's a whole it's a whole loop here for middle grade books being turned into a TV series. In terms of scope, though, and in terms of popularity, I would argue that Percy Jackson is a bigger deal to keep her getting made than Mysterious Benedict Society was to Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. Oh, yeah, definitely. I didn't really mean in terms of content. I mean to see if people would even be interested right, in that sort of thing. Especially after the fail of Artemis Fowl. Right, yeah. Rip Artemis Fowl, my, one of my first middle grade series. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Rip to the movie, but yeah. Uh, I'm so excited for Percy Jackson and my, I don't love that this has been a controversy, but the best thing so far is that the only controversy has been casting and that everything else looks great. Don't get me wrong, I do not like 
that like there's controversy over the casting oh, and that yeah, these kids stupid. are being like right that these kids are being like bad mouthed and attacked for their race and that they don't portray a certain character the way that they People are in the books them. but like yeah right but i like the, how that's been the only thing you know what i mean yeah that's and we've talked about thing. this it's um in the i think adaptations episode of this podcast yes but in terms of percy jackson it's okay to have been hoping for a book accurate casting Casting. In terms of looks, yes. it's okay to get attached to that. It's not okay to attack the kids over it. They were all very right. clearly cast race blindly for who was right for the role. Leah Saba Jeffries is an absolute doll. I mean, it is yes. really not okay. That's where the line is. That's where the line is that's, crossed. And I hope that's where the line and is. I hope people yeah. learn if there's any race bending in the keeper casting. I really hope that. And I hope there is, because I hope I those hope backers some. At least the backers deadly. aren't white. Yes. <laughs> the backers scream POC to me. Always have. They've always screamed in, like, just Indian looks, like, Indian culture. I don't know. But I hope that the backers are played by Indian actors and actresses. But Agreed. <laughs> that's another issue. Yes. We'll do another adaptations episode and, like, more casting reactions when the stuff starts coming out, if it gets made, obviously. Like, when we get our Sophie Foster, we will do a reaction episode. Um, because right. I... Given the fact that the main couple is now officially two white blondies, I would not be surprised if at least one of them is race swapped for the film. I hope it's Sophie. I hope it's Sophie. Sophie. I, I want it to be Sophie and not Keith. I can see Sophie. I see her as being the fair-skinned blonde that she is in the books or a beautiful, dark-skinned black girl and no in-between. There's, right, there's Sophie, to me, you can absolutely cast race blind. Um, she has, as long as her eyes are brown, which if she's an African-American girl playing Sophie, then her eyes should be Brown. Right. And right. most likely if, will be brown. If she's any then, kind of person of color, her eyes will most likely be brown. That's just the right. odds. <laughs> That's just, yes. So, so, whereas with Keith, I feel like, I feel like he's one of those where his looks really, really give light to his personality as well. Yes. Like, his messy his blonde feels- hair and his ice blue eyes and... Troublemaker. He, it just screams troublemaker. I hope they keep... If they were going to change one of them, I would hope it would be Sophie. I would be actively rooting for that. But we're not here to talk but about also the optics, the optics of Keith coming from an abusive family, whereas Sophie comes from a, you know, loving family mm-hmm. and has so many adults who care about her. And with the stereotypes about broken black families being out there, especially if they're going to race swap one of them to black, it's going to be Sophie. Just for the optics alone. And I agree with it. I think it should be. Exactly. Yes. So, I'm sorry, guys. My phone is... The amount of texts I'm getting, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm distracted. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no. Um, but we're not here to talk about casting news. Shall no. we get back to... Uh, Shall we get back to book 11? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we're very yeah. curious to know, how do you guys feel? Leave us a review letting us 
know how you feel or under a post on our Instagram at KOTLCU Podcast. If you're a consistent listener or heck even new here and you haven't left a written review or a review at all, what are you waiting for? Go do it. They make our day. We've gotten so do many it. recently. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and we'll do a new uh, reading reviews episode soon. We have it planned for episode number 24 because the first one was episode 12 and my OCD just likes that to pace it out that way. Every 12 episodes you can do a, yeah. Um, So (laughs) I'm just laughing at myself as I explain this. Like they don't care. They really don't care. It's the way. (laughs) It's the way I have been screenshotting these reviews because guys, when you leave, if you leave more than one review, it only keeps your latest review. So reviews from the past that you've put down get deleted. So it's the way that with each new review, I take a screenshot because (laughs) because I want to hold them. I want to hold them in my arms for the, uh, for the review episode. I don't want them slipping through the cracks. So Katie sent me a message the other day and she was like, we're missing reviews. What do we do? There's reviews that people have updated and we don't have old comments. And I was like, uh-huh. I've been thinking 10 steps ahead. I have um, them all on my phone. God bless. Frankie is a doll. Why do I keep saying that today? I called Leah Sub a doll. You're in your doll. 50s era. What are you doing? <laughs> I know. You're a 1950s like barista. Okay. Um, but it's because yeah. I'm in England. What okay. It's because I'm in the UK. What else is there to say about a potential book 11? I think that I can't even imagine it because I have no idea how you would bring this out for two more books. I know how we said in like when we were talking about Stellar Loon, I think our Stellar Loon episode, we were like, no, two more books is good. Ending on book 10, it will, I can see her because people were concerned that two more books wouldn't either wouldn't be enough time or would be too much time. And you and I both agreed 10 books felt perfect. So I can't even imagine what would happen in a book 11. Like I can't even fathom what would have to happen or not happen in a book 10 for there to be a book 11. Right. Because I think that really would be the perfect cutoff point. Absolutely. I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like what we described before having a long enough book 10 which I think mm-hmm. the publishers will allow her to do is the best route yeah, to they go should. here. If they don't allow it, it's going to feel like other book series where it was such a good series and then they drop the ball on the last book, which happens so, to so many good series. And so many trilogies. Publishers it's going to feel like the long series version of trilogy syndrome. Right, which is a huge thing. I've ranted about trilogy syndrome many times to many different people who probably didn't want to hear it, but like... <laughs> oh, it is so clear as a reader, as an analytical reader, it's so clear what happens with all these trilogies. There are two arc stories drawn out for three books, and they should be duologies. But they're... Yeah. Because of the Hunger Games, which had three arcs, all these dystopian trilogies are drawn out for three books. And... I don't want this to become the long series equivalent of that. I want it to be concise. I want a just one perfect last book is all I'm asking for. Yeah, exactly. That's because we talk about second book syndrome, which is it's part of the three book trilogy 
dysfunction, which is that because the Hunger Game, the Hunger Games did it so well, where you had the first games, you had the second games with hints of rebellion, and then the third book was the rebellion, and it didn't feel drawn out. Right. It was and then a bunch of other arcs over one overarching right. arc. I'm saying arc a lot, but but it's true. And then a bunch of people were like, oh, I could do that. But they didn't have They just had the, the equivalent of one game and then the rebellion. With a second book mashed full of nothing. And so nine, the ninth book right now kind of feels like books nine and ten, if she didn't get enough time to do this. Book nine and ten to me would feel very second book syndrome. Yes. Even though it's the ninth book. And I hate second book syndrome. I rant I have ranted about this to my mother who has no idea what I'm talking about, but at the time I didn't have anyone else to rant about this <laughs> to. Like since I was since I was 14, before I even met Katie, this has been something that has plagued me. And like now just she has that me I hate to rant to. Right, I hate second book syndrome, especially after Allegiant came out. I oh was ripping mad. Not Allegiant again. You brought up Allegiant in the last episode. Uh, it scarred me. me. It scarred me. <laughs> don't, don't even. It hurts. So yeah, I'm just worried. I'm so worried about... <laughs> I'm so scarred by, by second book syndrome BS and like the trilogy nonsense that out of all of my plots, Katie and I have both talked about how we're writers. We both have had many ideas over the years. And I plot these ideas out extensively before I try to write them most of the time. Out of all of the books I've plotted out, which is probably at like at least 10 at this point, I have to think. I've only had one series where I've been like, this feels like a trilogy. Because I'm so against most trilogies. It's insane. It Ugh. is very rare that you have a trilogy structure for a story. Like, it just, uh, I, I can't even. I think Lee Bardugo did it well. I think Lee Bardugo did it well with um, the Shadow and Bone series. Um, like we said, the Hunger Games did it well. There have been a couple others that have done it well. But, like, but like for the most part, there's a reason my favorite series. Is this going to be a new Six of Crows book? And, like, it was a perfect duology. Don't- I can't talk about that because I will <laughs> quickly devolve into a rant. I will quickly devolve into worries about that. Yeah, and someone just, also requested yeah. that we stop cussing on the show, so we definitely don't want to talk about that. <laughs> no. I And I'm sorry, guys. I didn't realize we had... I really thought that we'd, like, tone down on... We cuss a lot in our daily lives. We do. I cuss... <laughs> A lot. Um, you should never look at our texting conversations. Oh my um, gosh. But, so I thought we'd really like PG'd it, like PG-13'd it, and like we say BS sometimes or like what I thought were minimal swears, but if we've been cussing and like you guys have picked up on that, then I apologize. <laughs> yeah, because it's been requested and it's making someone uncomfortable or affecting their listening experience, we are going to do our best to stop. But yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I still, I, I get that part of it is because the podcast is rated as clean, which I kept it that way because mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty minimal swears and like we weren't dropping f bombs, which is what we do on our phone calls. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, 
I'm glad we're in agreement about a potential book 11 because it's really, really, honestly, this whole situation is kind of fascinating to me from a writing perspective, seeing an author publicly talk about her process and having to map this out in time and figure it out, like, and it taking longer than she anticipated or taking less time than she anticipated and the roadblocks that jump in the way, you know, it's so fascinating to see this happen publicly when typically it all happens behind the scenes because Mm -hmm. it's such a big series and she has the potential to extend her contract but also yeah um because the final book was already promised and now she's in this predicament i think she honestly i know she doesn't listen but i wish she did because i think our idea is the best Tap pat herself on the back real quick. I would hate to be knowing my books and knowing how protective I am over them. I'm already aware I will have to change things if they ever get published. I'm already aware that there's a whole process to this. Characters can get cut sometimes. Whole point of views can get cut. I'm aware of this. It's not something I relish the thought of, but I'm aware of it and I will do it if it means getting my book published and if I agree with it. But I can't imagine having a planned out plot 10 books I can't imagine like having all of this planned out and then something happening and it being like you have to write another book now and it's going to mess up your plot it is going to mess up what you envision for like an ending in a book 10 scenario I would be I'd be upset I would be so upset so I cannot imagine how she's dealing with this. Maybe she is advocating for a book 11. Maybe she is. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe this is her plan and she has a goal and it's going to be amazing. But as someone who writes, I can't imagine doing that to myself almost. Like, I wouldn't want that. Yeah. But also, she does seem pretty... What gives me hope is that she does seem pretty confident and pretty happy as she's talking about it, which tells me that she ha- knows she has the freedom to do what's right for the series. Yeah. And she flat out said, like, even if it ends up being a bit drawn out, that we deserve answers, and she knows that the readers deserve answers in a satisfying ending. So I don't know what's in her head. Maybe there's more to the rest of the story than we anticipated, especially with Elysian. And maybe... I don't know if I want more to the story, though. (laughs) Maybe we do need a book eleven. Maybe we're totally wrong. But I don't suspect that we are. And I don't necessarily... Even if this is all a whole big plan and there's more to it, I don't necessarily know if I want more to it. Like, I'm kind of good with Elysian having been the final big secret... Besides the knowledge of, of uh, I almost said Percy's father, Poseidon, <laughs> Sophie's father, but like being the last big plot secret. And then I'm, I really would like, like a last book where it's just focused around that, focused around finding out some of the other things that have been left up to question, finding out like killing the never scene or taking out the never scene. Like, I really don't want another huge reveal of, oh, there's another secret thing that you don't know about. Right. You know? Right. No, I'm with you. I think there's been enough of that. Yeah. I'm totally with you. I want, and it sounds like it is, based on her author's Mm -hmm. note at the end of Stellar that Elysian is the final big secret. I just want book 10 to have the time to cover it. Yes. Very yeah. much in the way that Marissa Meyer was given the page count that she needed for winter to make it a satisfying finale 
to the Lunar Chronicles. And it was. It was so good. Oh, it's one of my favorite (laughs) finales to this day to a book series. There's a reason, there's a reason quartets and duologies are our favorite. Not to go on the trilogy rant again, but if you look at me with the Raven Boys, with um, Six of Crows, like, or novels, novels just like The Book Thief. The Book Thief is, will always be one of my favorite books of all time. So like, yeah, there's a reason that our faves are all mostly quartets and duologies. Yes, absolutely. With the exception of five book series from middle grade, but yeah. Yeah, but once you, I feel like once you get into five plus books, you're getting into longer series format, which is a whole much bigger scope. Yeah. Plotting situation compared to the trilogy versus the duology. Like once you hit that five book, it's a whole other ballpark Mm -hmm. in terms of series structure, where you're getting into something more like Percy Jackson, where you have individual adventures that slow, very slowly reveal things. And that's what Keeper has been. Right. So. And I hope it sticks to that. I have faith in her. I think that she will do her absolute best. And whatever happens, I know that she will try her hardest to do right by her characters, her story, and um, the fans. I have faith in that. Oh, so do I. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially, like I said, because of her confidence and happiness during the reveal. She didn't seem stressed about it at all, which tells me that we're in pretty good hands and in a pretty good situation for the mm-hmm. finale. Also, to be perfectly blunt, part of me wants book 10 to be the last so we can finally do that cover ranking episode <laughs> once the cover comes out. Oh my god! <laughs> And also just to say, like the your like I said before, your OCD. Also just to like you know have ten books. It feels so much better than like you know anything else. Yeah. Who writes an eleven book series? Like I know it's just <laughs> driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my but like I, I honestly I don't think I've seen even like a ten book series before that I've read through. Like I'm not counting. All of the Percy Jackson extensions. I'm not talking about no, like what individual City series? of Bones. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've read one for one individual series. No, it's crazy. But it's been really cool so far, and I'm hoping it's. I'm hope my fingers are crossed. All right, that is all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Let us know what you think about this on the Instagram or in your reviews on the podcast app. Find us everywhere at KLTLC Podcast. Well, not everywhere. We don't have a Tumblr or Twitter. But we're on Instagram at KLTLC Podcast. And uh, why did I say that? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Keep it in. It's fine. It's fine. It's a blooper. We're good. It would be a great blooper, but I'm just going to leave it in, I think. Yeah, leave it in. And without further ado, happy Sokeep shipping! Happy Canon Sokeep shipping! Woo! Woo-hoo! It's canon. <laughs>